Well, we are preaching through a series of messages we call the Jesus Passages. And the Jesus Passages uh, is a great way for us to stay focused on the life of Christ. And if you look in the bulletin every week, especially for those that are visiting with us today, we've been reading through these passages and then preaching on those passages during the week. And it's amazing how every week there's something appropriate for whoever is speaking, and today it's me, uh, the opportunity to share the Word of God. And the, it's always something that sort of grabs us. And the reason it grabs us is because a congregation like ours always wants to be a congregation that's impacting the lives of other people. Our mission statement is to see men and women and boys and girls come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that's a goal that a congregation like ours has, is to make an impact for the cause of Christ. And today we have come to John chapter 12, the anointing of Jesus. And Jesus feet are being anointed by this woman named Mary who had seen her brother Lazarus raised again from the dead. And she sees Lazarus and Jesus sitting at the head of the table and she is so overcome with joy that she takes this expensive bottle of perfume, she breaks it open, pours it on the feet of Jesus and massages the feet of Jesus with her hair with this oil. Jesus is so impressed that he says in the Matthew edition that everywhere the gospel is preached, this story will be told in honor of this woman. Sometimes I wonder if God in heaven is still telling people, hey, (laughs) did you ever hear about Mary and the time she anointed my feet with oil and the things that happened there? And you know, Jesus says that this woman's sacrifice, her life, her commitment so stood out to him that he wanted everybody who heard the gospel to hear this story about her. I must admit, my favorite part of the story is found in verse 3, where it tells us here in your outline that when Mary took the, the pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and I love this, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Everybody there could smell the fragrance of the perfume and which draw their attention to the sacrifice that this dear woman, Mary, had done for Jesus. My mother is 87, and every morning she's a little disappointed that she wakes up. (laughs) She wished she had gone to heaven. And when she does die, and we do have a memorial service, I'm going to use this, this passage of Scripture to honor her because of the sacrifice of her life. Because, you know, back then, people would sacrifice, and we, th- we see this woman sacrificing with oil in the sacrifice. Today, we tend to look at people and we say, how do we grab people's attention? Well, we sit in the end zone of a football game with a sign that says John 3.16. Does that start the attractor of an unbeliever or turn them off? Or we put Bible verses underneath our eyes where we black out our eyes as a football player. Or we get some email from somebody who sort of preaches, you know, the gospel in a a creative or a unique way, and we hammer it down the, the, the throats of some friends. You follow me? But this woman, to grab the attention of people, she used perfume. And the perfume was only symbolic of the fragrance of her life. And that fragrance captured the imagination of everyone in the room. My friends, my thesis as I look at this there lady is the lesson for us and the lesson of Mary is to be the air they breathe. Just as God used the perfume of her witness, we can be the air that other people breathe as we 
demonstrate our commitment to Christ. Well, how does that happen? Well, if you look at this passage, I'd like for to read this story to us. And as we read this story, I want you to look at, first of all, the kinds of people that were there smelling the fragrance of the aroma. And then secondly, I want you to ask yourself, what did Mary do that so captured their imagination? First of all, let's read it. John chapter 12 and verse 1. Six days before Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Six days before Passover, what happened on Passover? Jesus was crucified. So here, this must have been a very special moment in the life of Jesus, where he wants to not only receive the worship of this woman, but to use this as a wonderful testimony of what God's grace looks like. As this woman poured this oil on Jesus, it tells us that the fragrance filled the house, filled the house, and everybody who was there smelled it. And I asked myself, who was there? Well, I see several people there. First of all, they were good friends. We're told that Lazarus is at the table. Martha was there. Remember the trio? Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Remember that? They were there. And uh, probably some very close relatives of theirs were, were there as well. So here, some very good friends were involved. And you know, my friends, we all have a fragrance of our lives as well. And your fragrance is smelled by people that are very close to you. The people maybe that you're related to. The in-laws. The outlaws. Hmm? You know, those that, those that you've been friends with maybe for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, they smell the fragrance of your life. And we have an opportunity like this Mary to let them see the fragrance and smell it. I remember a dear man who came to know Christ in Canada. He had a brother-in-law who was dying of cancer and he was down to like just weeks before this man was going to die. And he realized that he had never shared the grace of God with this man. And he asked me for some suggestions on how he should approach this man. And he went over to the next city where he lived. And he had a lot of us praying for him just so that he could share the grace of God with that person. Because he recognized he had a responsibility. That if he was going to smell the fragrance of God's grace, of God's gospel, he was only going to smell it from him. Also, the dinner table were probably dinner guests. Not just the family members, but probably some of the people from various associations and venues in life. And just as, as Mary had, had people in the community and maybe extended family that had come to this event, so we have people in our various associations, not just the inner core of family and close friends, 
But people, like this morning, my wife and I stopped to get some breath mints at a gas station, and this Indian man was there. And I came out and told Susie, boy, he was very friendly to me this morning. <laughs> you know, he was in a chipper mood. And I thought to myself, if I always went to that store, it'd be easy to develop a relationship with that man to let the fragrance be known to him. Um, the place where I get some dry cleaning done. There's a Jewish girl named Mindy. She married a, a redneck from Alabama. <laughs> she came down here. There's a lady named Rose. Rose's husband is my age, and he's invalid. Lives in the apartments across the street, and she comes over, walks over, and works to support her husband, who's an invalid. My friends, we all have people in our spheres of influence, venues and associations, where God says they have an opportunity to smell the fragrance of your life. Unfortunately, Jesus also, this Mary had Judas. Look at verse 4. But one of his disciples, and who's, who's the one? Judas, who's going to betray him. Jewish, Judas has made his deal with the devil. And he's already, he's got cash on his mind. He's going to sell Jesus out. And here when he sees this perfume going down, he's not thinking of the act of worship. He's thinking of, man, what kind of money did we waste here? And my friends, just like we have dear family members and friends in our associations, probably all of us have a Judas. (laughs) Someone who sees us as getting in the way of their success. Maybe it's somebody at school. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody in your family relations. But there's someone who says, you are in my way. And they have to get through you. And then there were critics. If you go down to verse 9, at the end of the story, it says that while Jesus was doing this, a large crowd assembles. And if you look down, they're made of some of the religious leaders. Even the chief priest is recognizing what's going on. And they decide that this is getting out of hand. And not only are they going to kill Jesus, but then they start making plans to kill Lazarus as well. You know, Mary here has the opportunity to worship Jesus, and her worship of Jesus is able to spring off and to to touch the lives of those evil people who took the good of Jesus and called it bad. But the last person that is there is Jesus himself. And Jesus is the one that really counts here, isn't he? He is the only one that really counts. And that's why she's bending over and putting the oil on his feet and worshiping him, and her act of worship for him is spilling over into the lives of other people. You know, as I look at that story, I recognize, my goodness, what a wonderful opportunity we have in our worship of Christ to influence so many lives. Not only can we worship Christ, but as we worship Christ, the sacrifice, the savor, the flavor, the fragrance spills over to family members, to people in our associations, to critics, to even those that have it in force. And they can be touched by the grace of God as he sees it in our lives. And my friends, just as Mary had this broad exposure with her sacrifice, so you do as well. In the venues of your life, in the spheres of influence that God has given to you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sometimes we think the grace of God is just for the dear friends and those people we like. But God really wanted the grace of God to impact Judas. He wanted the grace of God to impact the people that, you know, were calling his good bad. And yet Mary had the opportunity to be that fragrance. That's why Jesus, when he preached to the disciples, he said, You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Right? 
just as salt flavors our society and preserves righteousness, just as light reveals righteousness, we have the opportunity wherever we are planted, wherever we live, wherever we go to school or work, to demonstrate the saltiness of God's grace, the light of God's grace, and reveal it to other people. That's why Jesus... You know, as he's ascending to heaven, he turns to him and says, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He wants us to know that the mandate that he has given to us is to be the witnesses and to let people see the grace of God in the way we live and to take his message here, there, and even around the world. Our elders during this days of transition have chosen Acts chapter 2, a great passage of Scripture. It says that the, uh, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then the rest of the passage talks about how they took care of the needs of each other. And then the last verse, I think verse 47, is a great test. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And that's the test that we're doing the rest of it properly. As we are being that fragrance of Mary, as we are being a testimony of God's grace as we are doing it in humility and the power of God's Spirit, God is at work. And the test that we do it is that God brings people to Himself. You know, I think that this is a catalytic lesson that can transform the life of an individual, the life of a family, even the life of a church. Is do we have a focus on the outreach of the needs of the world or as an individual, do I put the needs upon myself? I learned this lesson when I was, when Susie and I moved to Dallas to go to seminary back in the, oh, too long ago, 1971. We didn't have a place to live, and a, a graduate of the school, a guy named Joe Aldrich, who later wrote a book called Lifestyle Evangelism, called us up and says, do you guys have a place to live? And we said, no. He said, well, we have an apartment building, and you have to do a few little chores. You get a break on the rent, and would you like to live in that apartment? And I said, sure, you know. So we took that job. We moved over there. Uh, one of Amy Malcolm's relatives helped us move over there. We looked like the, the Beverly Hillbillies moving to the big city. And when I got there, we were unloading this, this wagon, this pig wagon full of our furniture. And a neighbor from next door, a little lady, came across the street and, and introduced herself. And I said, I'm Ron Gannett, your new neighbor. And my wife, Susie, and she said, yeah, I know. Joe told me you guys were coming. Um, you have to mow the grass for your apartment building, uh, but you don't have a lawnmower. So Joe, what he would do is he'd mow my grass with my lawnmower, and then he'd mow his own. And I thought, well, I, I figure this thing out. It's wants to mow her grass, you know. One day I was out there mowing the grass, and and uh, and a lady across on the other side of the apartment building walked to the hedge. She's very feeble, very old. In fact, she died about six weeks after we got there. And found out that Joe and his wife would go take care of her cat, and visit her in the hospital while she was sickly. One day we're sitting on the front porch and front stoops of this apartment building, and the lady across the street lived in a wheelchair. She was sitting out on the front porch, and she beckoned us to come over. We walked over, and Joe and his wife used to go to the Piggly Wiggly and buy groceries for this lady. Make a long story short, I can understand why Joe wrote a book called Lifestyle Evangelism, because when he left Dallas to go back to Oregon, he had a Matthew party, a banquet, for all the people who trusted Christ during his tenure at Dallas Seminary. There was a room full of people. And he invited Dr. Howard Hendricks to come in and to encourage these people as the, the two of them left. My friends, there was nothing magical about these two people. They just realized 
that their commitment to Jesus Christ was a fragrance. It was like the oil, the perfume that Mary put on the feet of Jesus. And the sacrifice of our life can spill over and touch other people. I ask myself, how did Mary do that? Well, quickly, our time is running short. I think there are three things that she did. I think, number one, I would suggest that we be the air they breathe. Be the air they breathe. It begins with being. What do you mean by being? Well, if you look at Mary, she was changed by the grace of God. If you are to go back to chapter 11 and see where Lazarus had died, and they had sent word to Jesus to come, and Jesus finally comes to their town of Bethany. Everybody comes out, to, and Lazarus has already died, and they go to Mary and say, Mary, the Lord has come. Let's go out and greet him. And Martha goes out. Other people go out. But Mary stays in the house, probably upset, probably disappointed, probably angry that when they sent word to Jesus that he did not come. And now Lazarus, her brother, has died. And yet she had the opportunity to witness the raising of Lazarus, to see the grace of God in his life and how God brought him back. Lazarus, come forth. The dead was raised. And all of a sudden she realized in humility that the grace of God was greater than her sin. And in chapter 12, Mary is no longer that hidden person. Mary now who recognizes the grace of God, who realized that we only love because he first loved us, is the one who takes the perfume and pours it on the feet of Jesus. My friends, fragrance comes from the kind of person we are. And Jesus demonstrated grace because that's what he was. That's who he is. And when we experience the grace of God, like the Apostle Paul, we have to say, I am what I am. How? By the grace of God. Only the grace of God can make us what God wants us to be. And my friends, God has called us to be what God wants us to be. And when people see that, they will desire to have that in the, in the influence of their lives. I was in a restaurant this past week, and I met a man that I knew, and I met his wife for the first time, and uh, because they were eating in the same restaurant. And I, he introduced me, and she says, i got to give you a hug. I said, why? She says, your dad led me to Christ. <laughs> I'm here, you know. And I thought to myself, she hugs a total stranger <laughs> because of the grace that somebody else did to her. You know what I mean? Kristen and I were involved in some legal stuff with custody battles and stuff like this. And, and all through our, our process, one of the key legal players kept telling to us, I got to talk to you guys when this is over. I got to talk to you guys when this is over. And finally, when all was said and done and the victory was won, he called me up and asked me to go to supper with him. And he started telling me a story about how his daughter had died at age 11 and leukemia and, and concerns he had. And finally, I, I turned to him. I said, I'm not sure I know what question you're asking me. He said, I guess I want to know, is she in heaven? And I said, is that all you want to know? He said, no, I want to know, am I going to heaven? And all Kristen and Ron did was go through a legal process with that man. But when you go through the legal process... They see the kind of person you are. 
And that gives us, even in the stresses of life, the opportunity to be the grace that God has given to us. And my friends, we are the grace that they will see. Are we willing to be the grace, the air that fills their lives? I think, secondly, we have to be be what? The air. What's the air? The fragrance of this woman demonstrated the sacrifice of her life. I love in verse 3 where the text says, this was a very expensive perfume. And Judas tells us how expensive in verse 5. He said, it was worth a year's wages. Now, can you imagine taking a year's wages and flushing it down the toilet by breaking it and pouring it on somebody's feet? Huh? Can you imagine doing something like that? I mean, no, most of us can't imagine doing that. But here Mary did that to Jesus. And here he is overwhelmed by the sacrifice of that dear person. And my friends, for us to be, it has to demonstrate itself in being the air, the fragrance. And the fragrance was the sacrifice of this woman. And our sacrifices in life can be a testimony to other people of what God's grace can do in changing me. One of the things I like about our church was our association with Pastor Willie. Pastor Willie moved into Gate City. My daughter Caroline and Kristen teach a course at Southeastern Bible College on children's ministry. And there's an African-American uh, fellow there that's taking the course and probably wondering what these little girls have to teach him until finally one day they mentioned going to Gate City. And he raised his hand, you mean the Gate City? You kids and your church went to the Gate City? He says, yeah. And his whole perspective changed <laughs> because our young people, our church family went to Gate City. And why do we go to Gate City? Because of the sacrifice of one guy, a guy named Pastor Willie and his wife Evelyn, who would leave their house and buy and rent what? A place in the projects, one of the worst projects in the city of Birmingham, and to live there to pastor those dear people. My friends, when we sacrifice our time, when we sacrifice our lifestyle, it becomes that sacrifice is the air that people breathe. I go fishing in the summers with one of my son's friends, and this guy doesn't go to church, but he loves to hear about our church. And I tell him, and I told him about Safe Harbor Ministries, how they help, help kids in crisis. And the thing about building a ranch. I told him that last summer. This summer, all you want to do is, well, tell me more about Safe Harbor. Tell me more about what they're doing for kids. He was impressed that people would sacrifice to go help families in need. This summer, I told him about Simplicity Kids. And I told him about the medical clinic. And you know what he's going to ask me next year when we go fishing? Tell me more about Simplicity Kids. Tell me more about the medical clinic, you see. Because here is a guy who doesn't go to church... But the sacrifice of our congregation captures his imagination and becomes the air that he breathes. I have many Christmas memories, but one of the greatest Christmas memories I have is not of a gift I received. One of the greatest Christmas memories I have is of my mom and dad, before we would sit down to our turkey dinner, my mom created a plate of food and said, Alden, why don't you take this over to so-and-so? And my dad said, does anyone want to go? And I said, I'll go. So the two of us went to those projects. You know those projects you pass as you walk into, go into the airport there on the left? And we went into a very dingy building room there. And there's a woman who is a semi-invalid. And before we as a family would eat our meal, my mother wanted to make sure that this woman had her Christmas dinner. And my dad went in and presented this meal to her on a TV tray she had next to her. And they knelt down beside her chair 
and he prayed that God would bless her this Christmas season. My friends, sacrifice is the fragrance that becomes the air that impacts people that will change our world. Mary would say, B, let God's grace change you. The air, make the sacrifices that are necessary so that people see God's grace in action. And B, the air, what? They breathe. They breathe. Who are the they? Oh, the, the good friends, the dinner guests, the Judases, the critics. But most of all, the Lord. And my friends, we all have different venues. But wherever venue you have, that's where God has called you to go. If you're in school, where you go to school. If you live in a neighborhood, where you are. Those are the people that will smell your fragrance. Today, if I had on a cologne and you stood next to me, the people across town would not smell my cologne, only the people that are near me. And the people in your sphere of influence are the people that will smell it. We have different venues. We have, we have people that are the fragrance of God's air in places like our state legislature, the Congress of the United States, Christians making an influence upon other world leaders. We have people like our former pastor, Gary Kramer, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, impacting places like the University of Alabama and the athletes there. We have people at the Jimmy Hill Mission that we support as a congregation, making a difference in that place. My friends, it doesn't matter where is your venue. This past summer, Susie and I were in Canada and had the privilege of doing a wedding for a couple that uh, may or may not be Christians. And the wedding was going to be outside, and just as we started, the bride came forward, the heavens d- dropped the rain. We were in a go- on a golf course overlooking Lake Ontario. And I turned to the bride. I said, do you think we should go inside? She says, no. The rain more. I turned to her. I said, do you think we should go in now? And she says, no, we're all going to get wet. We're going to have a wet wedding. And her mother said, we're going inside. <laughs> and we went inside. We gathered around the dance floor of this banquet room that they had with all the tables through reception. And everybody was drying off with towels. And we gathered around this dance and we stood up. And I had a wonderful opportunity in a very casual way, because now we're all wet, <laughs> to talk about Christian values, a Christian wedding, and the difference Jesus Christ can make in a marriage. And so I got away from that. I thought to myself, that's a venue that God has given to me. What's the venue that God has given to you? And my friends, those people there want you, and they need you to be the air that they breathe. So I look at Mary and I say, what's the lesson? B, the air they breathe. B, the air they breathe. And I ask you as you anticipate this new week, as we anticipate a new chapter in the life of our church, it's not a pastor's job. It's not a board of leaders' job. It's my job in my sphere of influence to be that righteous person that is the heir of sacrifice that other people are able to breathe. Joe McKay and I are part of a men's Bible study group on Fridays, and we were studying through the book of Acts, and we came to Acts 11 this week. And I saw the difference between the the church at Jerusalem and the church at Antioch, which has started there. 
And the church of Jerusalem was more concerned about, now what's happened to the Gentiles? What happened to Cornelius? Are we sure this is okay? And then because of the persecution of Stephen, the believers go up to a town called Antioch. Jews and Gentiles believe, and the rest of the book of Acts is not about the Jerusalem church. It's now about the church at Antioch. Because the Antioch wants to take the gospel around the world. And I thought to myself, the Jerusalem church lost it because it wanted to be in control. The church at Antioch won the day because they became the air that the world was able to breathe. My friends, people want that, and they want it from you. Just before we left to go away for the summer, I was sitting home one night watching television, getting ready to watch the news before I went to bed, and and a very odd thing happened. Someone came to the door. A man was there, and I'd never met this man in my life. And he says, you don't know me. I'm the AA counselor sponsor for your neighbor. And your neighbor has just died. He's 46 years old. And the family wants you to come over and be with them. Well, I immediately put my shoes on and went next door. And they were standing out in the front yard. We thought the boy was dead, but later... We found out it was just a drug overdose. We, they thought he was dead, but he really was alive. And he came back, and now he's in a, in a, a situation where he's being treated for his drug addiction. But as we were out there praying, as we are out in the front, I said, would you like to pray together? So the, the mother and the father and the AA counselor and myself sort of did a football huddle thing. We put our hands on each other's shoulder. They're in the middle of their front yard. We prayed. Thinking this man was dead, we commended him to the grace of God. And I prayed for comfort for the dear family. And then later I, I said, have you guys called 911 or the doctor or the police or anything? They said, no. And I said, we should call them. <laughs> so we called 911. They put us in touch with the police and they got the paramedics out and the paramedics got this guy and he wasn't dead. He was just overdosed and he was alive. And as I went home that night, I was thankful that God preserved this man's life. But also I learned a powerful lesson. That for those dear people, they wanted God's grace in their lives. And they would take it anywhere they could get it. Because in their hour of need, they wanted to smell the fragrance of God's grace and God's mercy. My friends, God created you for a purpose. God has placed you where you are for a purpose. And like Mary, let's be the air they breathe. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we just thank you for your wonderful grace. We thank you that apart from you, your grace, we are nothing. And Lord, you just simply called us to be your salt, your light in this world. Lord, probably as we've gone through this passage this morning, we've all been sitting here thinking of the various people in our sphere of influence, those dear friends, family members that don't know you, that need God. We think of friendships and associations, friends at school, work, neighbors. We think of those people that are critical of us, maybe someone who has hurt us. But Lord, all these people are there in need of your grace. And like Mary, you've placed us there to make the sacrifices so that they can sense your power. 
Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the power of your truth. And Lord, I pray that you might mobilize us in fresh ways to love this world in your name. And so, Father, help us to be the air they breathe by your grace and mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.